Welcome to Equipus Church, Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our city campus. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. Oh, how good. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, good looking. Nice. Turn to the other person on the other side of you and say, you're good looking too. So good. It's best if you're not laughing in their face while you say that. Yeah? Oh, good morning. Thank you, worship team. Can we give the team a hand? Oh, so awesome. Um, And as Pastor Desiree said, hello, I'm Esther. And my husband's not in the room right now. Um, He ran off to join the massive crew this morning. So I know, I know. So I'm not sure what he's doing there. Um, But if you have children in massive, just, um, you know, I hope it all goes well. And I'm glad that we have great parents in the house this morning. Hey, happy Mother's Day to everyone here. Um, Before I get into the message, I'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge all of the mothers in the room um, and say thank you. Thank you to mums for your love and your care and your thoughtfulness. Um, Thank you for dealing with attitudes and snotty noses. Um, Thank you for prayers. Um, I am... um, am the result of mothers and grandmothers who pray. Um, I rem- one of uh, the most vivid memories I have when I was a teenager was when my grandmother came to visit in New Zealand and she would wake up, she's from Fiji, but she came to New Zealand to visit us and she would wake up every morning at around about five o'clock and she would just be praying. Um, and I remember getting up at around six to get ready for school and I would walk out and I would hear her praying and I'd, you know, just kind of tiptoeing past grandmother because you know that's holy ground, eh? You don't want to mess with that. And, um, and so she's praying and I, I remember one morning just kind of leaning in and listening um, to her prayers and she was praying in Fijian and as she was praying, I could hear her and just for, for about two hours in the morning, she would just be praying and prayerful and she would be naming, she, uh, she has 14 children Um, And she would be going through all of her children and then all of her grandchildren and then all of her great-grandchildren. My mother is also a praying mother. And I know that I stand here today, not because I am awesome, although I am, (laughs) but I stand here today because I, I, I stand on the prayers of my mother and my grandmother and the faith that they infused into our living. And so if you're here, and if you are a faith-filled mother that's been praying, I want to encourage you this morning, not a single one of your prayers go to waste. And so continue to pray for your children. Continue to pray for your grandchildren. And so I acknowledge uh, mothers in the room, but also mothers who have lost children, uh, children who have lost their mothers, are those with strained relationships with their mother and mothers who have strained relationships with their children. I want to honor today, this morning, women who have chosen not to be mothers and those who were yearning still to be mothers. A difficult day for some, as Pastor Desiree said, but also a day of great joy and delight. And this morning, I want to acknowledge the great vastness and variety of experience and, um, and life that is in the room today. So today, with whatever uh, past and whatever experience you have come from, to the woman, we honor you. We honor you. And God honors you today as well. Um, Awesome. So um, 
I get very distracted at baby noises. <laughs> so cute. I'm in this state because I have a 10-month-old and a four-year-old. And so any sort of baby noise, if, you're, if you've been a mom of young children, immediate, immediately you're like, is that mine? Um, and so even though my children aren't with us uh, this weekend, um, don't worry, we left them with capable guardians. Um, <laughs> still, if I hear a baby noise, I'm thinking, is that my one? No, no, it's not my one. Um, and so we have come down uh, from Auckland to serve at the Equippers Young Adults Camp that was uh, going on this weekend. And it was awesome. Thank you to Alice um, and Liv and the team for running that and hosting that. You guys are amazing. And uh, our family have recently transitioned back to Aotearoa. We spent uh, just under two years uh, serving in Equippers in the central coast of California. So that was a trip. Um, amazing being amongst Americans um, in the last couple of years. Uh, and it was just such a good time. And God is moving all over the globe. And we are so blessed to be uh, back here in our homeland in Aotearoa. So good morning, kia ora koutou and yanda vanaka. And it's great to be here this morning. So uh, like I said, I am a uh, like new mother, right? I've only got about four years of experience under my belt. Now, I'm just going to just take you on a little journey this morning. When I was pregnant with my first baby, I was uh, very humble. And I thought, you know what? I don't know what I'm in for. That's a lie. When I was pregnant, I was like, yeah, it's going to be easy. <laughs> I thought, this is going to be so good, right? I'm going to have a baby, and I know it's probably going to have its challenges, but man, it's going to be a great time. But I was genuinely uh, a little bit nervous, but slightly confident. Um, either way, when I look back, I remember I was highly unprepared. There's a thing young people do nowadays, uh, before they have their first kid, or second kid, or third kid, uh, they go on a baby moon. Anyone? Anyone gone on a baby moon? No, right, because you guys think that's a ridiculous idea. Uh, so baby moons are things that um, a couple will go and have a bit of a vacay, a bit of a vacation before the baby comes and their life changes. So Ben and I, we decided to go on a little vacation before our first baby came, and we decided where else are we going to go? We went to Queenstown. And so we thought, fantastic. And I remember I was about eight months pregnant, and I remember um, booking uh, a whole bunch of things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my husband was listening, and I was like, oh, let's do the luge. Oh, let's do the jet thing. Oh, let's do all of these things. And I remember Ben going, oh, um, I, maybe you should look at some fine print or something. He's so kind. Um, he wouldn't just tell me, you're being stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember, and I said, oh, well, if I have to. And I would read these things saying, oh, if you're pregnant, you can't do this activity. If you're pregnant, you can't do this activity. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is so unfair. And so uh, we ended up not doing any of those fun activities. And we ended up doing geocaching. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Which is like, oh, man, fam. It was like, let's drive somewhere. And like, it's like a scavenger hunt but just like online. Um, and look, 
we are, we're quite positive people and we like to have fun, whatever we're doing. So it ended up being awesome, but I had to have this realization that because I'm becoming something, there are some things that were now inappropriate. There were some things that actually, because I'm now becoming something, now I'm, I'm coming into a different season, there are actually some behaviors, some ways of thinking that are not just inappropriate, they are dangerous, and they actually could quite quickly take away the privilege of what I was walking into. And so this morning, as we think about Mother's Day, I really, um, and as we celebrate together with the women in our world, I really want to encourage us that for all of us, whether you're becoming a mother, you are a mother, or you're not, actually God is asking us to become something. We're all on a journey of becoming. We're all on a journey of, um, uh, of transforming into something and transforming out of something. God will call you to become something that you are not ready for. He will call you into something that you are becoming. He will call some things out of you as though they are, even though they are not yet. He will call you a king like he did for David. He, will call, he called David a king when he was still a shepherd. He will call you victorious when you feel defeated. He will call you healed while you're still coughing. He will call you delivered while we're still stumbling in our sin. Don't you love that about God? I love that about God. I love that, that God sees us, sons and daughters, and he looks at us and he says, awesome, but I don't see you as you used to be. I see you as who you are becoming, son and daughter of God, called, chosen, confident, skilled. And so this morning, I wanna encourage us that when God calls us into that which we are becoming, that is the ideal, that's the call, but actually what we live in is reality. Who loves reality? Not me. Okay, so we live in reality, but over here is, 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 is what God is calling us into. And what life often is, what our spiritual journey often is, is God saying, come on, become this person. Come on, make a choice to leave some things behind. Those things served you well in a previous season, but you are becoming something new. There's a new set of thoughts you've got to hold on to. There's a new level of promises that you've got to keep in your heart. There's a way of talking that's not appropriate anymore. There's a way of seeing yourself and your past and your family that's only going to hold you back from becoming who He's called you to be. Can you say say amen this morning? Amen. And so the gulf between the ideal and the reality is the span through which God pulls us and draws us into becoming fit for the master's use. What I love, I, I was chatting with um, uh, Mrs. Vickers this morning, and I said, you know what, I've never known more grace in my life than when I became a mother. I've never known empowering grace until I had children that began to talk like me <laughs> and act like me. <laughs> and what I love about grace is grace gives me something on credit that time makes payment on. 
right? So the grace of God says you are victorious. You are healed. You are confident. You are called. You, you are son. You are daughter. You are accepted. You are loved. You, you do belong. And as we walk out in time, we begin to experience this empowering grace. And so this morning, I'd like to open up the word and look at one particular family, one particular yet-to-be mother, walking the gulf between who she is and who she is becoming. And in seasons like that, seasons like this, when we walk that gulf often, often it is provoking. And I want to just present to us this morning just a couple of situations that she walked with um, in her journey and the choices that she's presented with. We all walk this journey and a loving, kind, and generous, and mighty, and amazing God presents us with choices. That's, and every choice sounds something like, will you choose to become a little more, or will you stand back and settle for a little less? And so this morning, I'd like to present perhaps some choices that God has before all of us today. These are love-drenched choices. These are uncomfortable but necessary choices. And it's near impossible not to make a choice, fam. Sorry. And if you think you're not making a choice, then you've made one. And so this morning, let's have a laugh, eh? <laughs> let's have a good time together. But let's also acknowledge our amazing God that calls us to become. So let's look into the Word of God. 1 Samuel in chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. This is, for those of you who uh, know the Word and who have been in church long enough, you will recognize and know the story of Hannah. In verse 3, we pick it up. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, this is Hannah's husband, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, his second wife, not recommended today, eh? <laughs> I don't know any man who would want a second wife. Hey, I think about myself and I think, oh yeah, that, that's enough. That's a lot. Okay, anyway. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, which was Penina, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she, Penina, provoked her, Hannah, Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Anyone here love food? Hey. Anyone here when you get a little bit upset? You might just drive through the old KFC. Yeah, come on. Let's have some honesty in the house of God this morning. Yeah? You know, bit of extra seasoning on the chips. Thank you. 
few wicked wings on the side. Cheers, mate. In this story, um, and I, I mean, I read this story, and often when I read the Word of God, I try and put myself into these characters' um, lives and shoes as much as I can, and I think, man, that's got to be a real difficult time to not want to eat, because I want to eat all of the time. I'm good for a feed all of the time, and Jesus was too. Do you know in Luke, eh, if you read the Gospel of Luke, um, Jesus um, was either going to a meal, sitting at a meal, or leaving from a meal. <laughs> eh, over 50 times it's recorded just in that one Gospel. And I'm like, oh man, I'm sure Jesus was an islander. Because <laughs> eh, you look at our, that's all we do. We eat, we eat loud, we eat lots of people all the time. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Um, she wept and she did not want to eat. And so thanks team for keeping the scripture up there and all of us focused. Um, so Hannah was in this space where she was married to Elkanah, but Elkanah also had another wife, Panina, and Panina was just having these babies all the time. It doesn't happen like that, mums know. Um, but Hannah was there, and Hannah so wanted to be a mother. She so wanted to have children, but the scripture says that the Lord closed her womb, and year after year, Panina, the other wife, um, if, you, uh, if you read some commentaries, and especially um, some uh, like Old Testament, um, Jewish, rabbinic commentaries, uh, they would say things like Panina would go out of her way to provoke Hannah. So Panina would do things like, uh, let's just modernize it. She would be like, oh, it's three o'clock. Shall we go to the gate and go get our children from school? Oh, you don't have any. So that kind of meanness. So Hannah was being provoked. And this morning, this is the kind of discomfort that we can often feel because God is provoking us to make a choice. There's a provoking that's happening that is uncomfortable. Anyone here quite like being provoked? Yeah, not many of us, just the you know ones of us, perhaps who are lawyers, like to argue. Um, <laughs> And so that, that kind of feeling of being provoked, it's not often uh, a nice feeling, but God will often put irritants in our path. And irritants, they can be people. Don't look at anyone. Look straight ahead, look at me. Irritants can be people. Often irritants can be people that are close to us. Uh, they can be relationships that are in conflict. They can be situations that are challenging and not necessarily because of the challenge itself, but the meaning that we create from that challenge. For example, it's not just the fact that you might be struggling financially week to week, but it's the irritant that if God is provider and he can and wants to bless us, then why is he holding out on us? That's an irritant. That's provoking right? It's not just the fact that you might have a health challenge, but it's the meaning that we can make from that challenge. But if God is good and he loves me so much, then why is he allowing me to be sick? It's not just the fact that we're having a, a relational breakdown, but if God is the God of restoration and reconciliation, why is there so much division? It's provoking, isn't it? Can we just get real about life? 
yeah? And can we, can we just be a little bit honest that sometimes those thoughts can be the thoughts that are in our mind or even the things that we say out loud? And in life, we will have these provoking situations and we will have these provoking seasons and sometimes even provoking people. And I love what I've come to learn in the short time that I've been following the Lord. What I've come to learn is this spiritual Christian life is choose your own adventure. Anyone remember those books? Right? If, if you know those books, it's like you read a chapter and at the end, if you choose to go down the garden path, go to page 37. But if you choose to stay and turn around and see where that voice is coming from, go to the next page. It's choose your own adventure. And so these irritants happen in our life. And in those moments, fam, we've got to realize these are moments where we choose the adventure. We choose how we're going to respond. We choose, this is the privilege that God has given us, the privilege of free will and choice to choose. I am going to choose how I respond in this moment. And as we look at the story of Hannah, the first choice I want to present to us today is the choice between complacency and communion. And I think this is a choice that occurs more often than it doesn't because purpose, destiny, becoming the person that God has called us to become, it doesn't just happen, fam. (laughs) It really doesn't just happen. Hannah went years just settling with the lack as the norm. But when she got provoked, When she was provoked finally by Panina, that brought the turning of the tide. And I wanna say today, that is the goodness of God that would partner with humanity and say, come on, we can partner together, God and humanity, to turn the tide. How awesome is that? Not to impress other people, the provoking is not so we can prove something to others, but I believe those provoking times are to shock us, shift us, encourage us, move us out of complacency. Because we can be complacent and not even know it. And for most of us, it's quite easy to settle. The definition of being complacent is the feeling of quiet quiet pleasure or security, often unaware of some potential danger or defect. In and of itself, doesn't sound too bad. (laughs) Everyone heard that phrase, ignorance is bliss? Has anyone got bitten by that phrase once or twice? And I would say that I, I would say that fam complacency is not bad in and of itself, but perhaps where we can get into trouble is where we become satisfied with less than what God has for us. And this can be easy to do. It can be easy to be satisfied with less than what God has for us if we don't know what He has for us, <laughs> or if we are misinformed as to what He has for us. So my question this morning is how? How do I determine the difference between, say, peace and complacency? Because they kind of can feel like the same thing. This is how I've journeyed it out in my own life and faith, that to, to have peace is to trust God after you've done all that you can do. 
Complacency is the assumption that you can invest less effort and still maintain more responsibility. <laughs> Complacency is when you get to a point in your mind where you realize, oh, you don't really have to give your best. I pray we don't get complacent in our marriages, in our parenting, in our relationships. Complacency is when we no longer put in a full effort into what God wants us to be. Complacently, complacency expects rewards without sacrifice. And Luke, um, and sorry, Revelation 3, it talks about complacency as being lukewarm, neither hot or cold, and God's reaction to that is he spits you out his mouth. It's quite vivid. <laughs> and I want to say this morning, that's a really big difference between peace and complacency. Complacency is almost like a giving up, a settling, like this is the way it's always going to be. I've missed my chance. It's too late. How are things meant to change now? But peace is something different. Peace looks like I haven't seen the blessing or the breakthrough yet, but I'm going to show up again. I don't know what God is doing and why he might hold these good things back from me. But I'm going to show up again. I don't know why the kids are going crazy. But I'm going to show up again. I don't know why I've experienced so much loss and why things have been so difficult. But I'm going to trust again. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to love again. I'm going to forgive again. I'm going to create again. I'm going to give it a go again. And I'm not going to put my hope in the result. I'm going to put my hope and trust in Him. That is the difference. And I would say this morning, the opposite of complacency is not necessarily, let's go! Right? Which if you've been at Equippers long enough, we do that a lot. <laughs> Shout conference, let's go! You know, young and old camp, let's go! And I'm all about it, obviously. <laughs> I'm totally all about it. I'm the biggest joiner ever. I love to join anything and everything all the time. In fact, when I first got saved at 14 years old um, at Equippers in Auckland, my response to the excitement of knowing Jesus was to join every team that they would allow a 14-year-old to join. I joined everyone. Let's go. That's me, 100%. I love it. I love it. But in my growing of maturity, I understand that if we do the let's go without communion first with God, that's how we can get into religiosity. That's how we can get offended really quickly. That's how we can walk away from faith and a faith community too soon. But first, before the let's go, it's got to come from a place of great communion. First Samuel chapter 1 and verses 9 to 10. Uh, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh. And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And if we just leave this scripture up, this is 
this is the communion. The communion here is not necessarily to act, to act first and react first and do all the things first, but the step here that I want to highlight was, and she went to the house of the Lord and she prayed to the Lord, but she didn't just pray a transactional prayer like God is the divine great ATM where you put in your card and you punch in the numbers and you do your little equipper's dance and you turn around and then the breakthrough comes, right? That's not an equipper's dance, that's a me dance. I just made that up now. But that, that, it's, not, it's not that kind of prayer, it's a prayer where she wept in anguish. It's a prayer where she exposes the great vulnerability that she has inside of herself, not to everyone else, not to social media, not to whoever is willing to listen, but she exposed the deep vulnerability of herself to God. Just like Paul says, when I am weak, then you are strong. And she brings it to this place of communion. And I wanna encourage us today, church, on our journey of becoming, when there are these irritants where we don't understand, don't hold God hostage to your lack of understanding. But when we don't understand, and God, why haven't you broken through? This is a good thing. Why isn't this good thing happening in my life? I want to encourage us to, the choice is complacency, just settle, take a step back, isolate, be independent, cut off, and figure out a way that it's all gonna work in your mind so you can sleep at night, be complacent, or to come to a place where God is inviting us to communion. Um, this morning, I, I want to really encourage us around this communion. Um, hey, Alice, why don't you come up and preach with me for a little bit? Thanks, girl. Please give Alice a hand. She's so awesome. Thank you, Alice. And I, I want to encourage us around this invitation to greater communion and greater intimacy with God. Because faith is not a feeling that we in and of ourselves can produce. We, we can't produce more faith in ourselves. <laughs> faith is a trustful response that the Holy Spirit brings about in us. Faith is something that the Spirit of God stirs in us. And our faith can't stir. Our faith cannot grow if we're not in proximity to Him. We've got to be close. And being close can be hard, but being close to God, being with Jesus is the point with Jesus is the point. It's the point of redemption. It's the point of the cross. 
It is the ultimate redemption of the Genesis story where we were so separated and distanced from God. The point is humanity coming closer to be with Him. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples, they asked Jesus a question. And it's curious because the, 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 the question that they ask is they say, Jesus, teach us. And in all the gospels, we don't see that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them anything else but this one thing. They asked Jesus, Jesus, can you explain what you meant? But just one thing, they said, Jesus, teach us. Teach us how to pray. They didn't say, Jesus, teach us how to preach a good sermon. Jesus, teach us how to have like a really good communications and marketing strategy so we can be a super cool church and gather the crowds. They didn't say any of that. They just said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And New Testament commentaries will say that what the disciples are inferring, what they're saying by asking that question is, Jesus, of all the things that you do, the healing the sick, the setting people free from demonic oppression, the blind eyes being able to see, the dead being raised to life, the deaf being able to hear, the people with diseases being healed, all of these things, they don't come from just a random place, but they come from a place where they can see. You read the Gospels and you'll see it now. Jesus does miracles and then He went away to pray. Jesus does these amazing things and then He went up the mountain to pray. Jesus does all these amazing things and then He goes away to pray. To what? Say some words? No, to be with God. And from this place of communion, being with God, He is then empowered to do amazing things on this planet. And in the same for Jesus, it's the same for us. In our becoming, communion is the point. Communion is the starting place, the middle place, the ending place. This is the choice that we're making. We either be with Jesus or we be with our insecurities. We either be with Jesus or we be with our failures. We either be with Jesus or we be with the brokenness of humanity. The choice today is who will we be with? This is the invitation this morning. And Jesus says, I'll teach you how to pray. And then he goes on and he says the Lord's Prayer, right? Who learned the Lord's Prayer by rote really early? Yeah, 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 yeah. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And I think we see this prayer, we read this prayer, we recite this prayer, and we think it's a liturgy to recite. But remember why Jesus is saying this prayer. Jesus is teaching them how to pray. If you're gonna pray, pray like this. And he says, our Father, which is a whole other message for another time, maybe for Father's Day. He says, our Father. But then he says, in heaven. And I think when most of us think about heaven, we might think Cloud City. Yeah, some cupids running around there with the arrows. Anyone? When I think of heaven, I think a large table 
filled with food. Hey, like a scene from Hook and the Lost Boys, right? And when every time they eat, and then the food reappears. That sounds like heaven to me, man, right? And you just sit in there with all of your favorite people and you're just eating and having a good time. And in between breaths, you're like, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is the best place to be. I don't know if heaven's gonna be like that, but I sure hope it's like that for me. When, when Jesus is talking about heaven, or when we read it in English, um, we read heaven and we think heaven up there. In the Greek, it's not what Jesus is talking about. Uh, the English language often quite limited when it comes to the translations um, from Greek into English. When in the Greek they use, or in the scriptures, they use the word heaven, uh, that one word is used to describe many different things. What three different things. First of all, heaven, the one that we're thinking about, uh, heaven where God sits in perfection, where there is no um, sin, there is no grief, there is no disease. It is perfection up there. That is where Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Another way that the word heaven in Greek that is used in the scriptures is like in Ephesians, where it, uh, where it says we do not uh, war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. It's referring to a spiritual realm, but this particular heaven, this Greek word that is used here, it is neither of those two words. When Jesus says our Father in heaven, he's not referring to those descriptors or those places. That word heaven is in the sky, in the air all around us. So just think about that for a moment. Our Father, not far away, not the grumpy Gandalf character in heaven with the stick, just like totally disappointed at humanity. That's not it. Not some spiritual realm that we're kind of not aware of, but our Father in the very air that is around us. Our Father, my God in the air that is as close to my skin. My Father, our Father, in the very air that I breathe, there you are. That's how close. Our Father, in the very air that I breathe, there you are. In the Old Testament, they refer to Jesus, the Hebrews, they refer to Jesus as Yahweh. And the symbol Y-H-W-H for Yahweh. In our modernity, we added the, you know, the vowels so we can say a word. That's not what it was describing. When they said Yahweh, Y-H was the sound of inhaling. And W-H, because that's where God is. That's how close He is. That's how close He is to our circumstance. That's how close He is to the grief. That's how close He is to the frustration. That's how close He is to the joy. That's how close He is to the victory. That's how close He is to the struggle. He's right there. And if you're looking for Him, just breathe. Just breathe. Maybe this week you just need to sit and breathe. Maybe that's the choice you need to make is in the struggle just to, you are with me, God, Emmanuel, God with us.
had another point, but we're not going to go there. Hey, I'd rather just stay here because I think this is where the invitation is. The invitation this morning, the choice this morning for all of us, whether we have known Jesus for decades, whether we have known Him for days, or whether we don't know Him at all, the invitation for all of us this morning is to be with Him. The choice this morning is to step away from complacency and to dare to choose communion. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not stupid. I know that that's not an easy choice. I know that sometimes that's a really difficult choice. I'll, maybe I'll say it better. I'll say it like this. I know it's a simple choice, but I know it's not necessarily an easy one. Hey, worship team, come on up back. And I'll finish with this, um, with this story. Uh, my son, Malachi, he's four years old. And um, <clears throat> he, <laughs> he's the delight of my life, my wild four-year-old. And I should have put up pictures. Maybe my husband will do that tonight, eh? So if you come back tonight, you can see pictures of my family, but I'm under no pretense that that's a good enough draw card for you to come. Uh, but God will be here. That's a good draw card. <laughs> And so um, this, this year, um, during Easter time, my son, or just before Easter, my son started to pick up the, the children's illustrated Bible that he was given when he was dedicated um, at church um, when he was born. And he's had no real interest in it, but it was <laughs> he picked up this Bible and he starts kind of flicking through it. And he loves Noah's Ark because he's obsessed with animals. And so he loves that and he sees all the stories and the pictures and, um, and then he, he makes his way across to um, the Easter story and he's looking at it and then I, he's looking at the Bible and then he goes, mom, he's got an American accent because we were there, you're right. He's like, mom. And I said, yes, son. And he goes, he's looking at the picture of Jesus on the cross all like whipped. And he's like, Mom, Jesus died. And I was like, uh, yeah. And then I'm starting to freak out, right? I'm freaking out. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't prepared for this conversation. How do you tell a four-year-old about this situation? And, you know, all of these things. And we've, we've raised our son in church. So, you know, he loves the Lord. He loves to pray. He loves Jesus. And he's looking, he goes, Mom, Jesus got hurt. And I said, yes, he did. And I'm like, these Bibles should come with warnings for mothers. This is so bad. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. And my husband is not any help. He thinks it's hilarious from the kitchen, you know. <laughs> and my son, he's, I'm watching my beautiful boy as he's looking at this picture and he's seeing that his Jesus died. And then he turns the page and he says, Mom, the soldiers put him in the cave? I said, yes. They did. <laughs> and I'm trying to keep my cool. And it's not working. And then he, 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 he sits there and then he just closes the Bible. And I said, son, turn the page. Open the Bible, turn the page. Turn the page, turn the page. <laughs> and he closes the Bible and he says, no, mom, Jesus is dead. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've ruined him. <laughs> And I freaked out. I totally freaked out. 
And but we went to bed and every every morning, you know, we, we pray in our household. So we go to bed and we put him to bed and I said, Come on, son, time for karakia, let's pray. And he goes, No mom, Jesus is dead. And I was like, Benjamin, bring the Bible. <laughs> We're gonna... And then he goes, so I brought the Bible and he's looking at it and he's opening it up and he sees, yep, see, mom, Jesus is hurt. It's ouchie. He, on the, and he died. And then he closes. I said, son, you need to turn the page. And then I turned the page for him and no, he refused and he closed. And for days he wouldn't pray. And my little heart was just breaking for this boy. No, mom, Jesus is dead. Every time we'd go, no, mom, Jesus is dead. And then I just kept persisting. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And then finally, he got out the Bible again, and then he was reading and he sees again. Turns, he turns to exactly to the space where Jesus was crucified. He was taken down. He said, Mom, look at the soldiers. Put him in the cave. And then I watched his little hands turn the page and his face. And he goes, Mom, Jesus is back again? I said, yes, yes, he's back again. Mom, Jesus is alive? Yes, son, he's alive. And then my, I, was, I know, right, let's clap, clap for Jesus. And I'm watching this whole journey with my boy. And then, he, and, you know, and then we kind of chatting it through and now he, see, he will see a cross, he'll see a picture and he'll say, Mom, there's a cross, Jesus died but he's alive again. And I will say, Malachi, where does Jesus live? In my heart. One of my proudest moments. And I tell you that silly story, one, to just boast about my awesome son, but number two, to invite us into that place in our situations where we acknowledge it's hard, but turn the page it's not over it's not done God is not finished it doesn't matter where you find yourself in your journey God is not too far away He is close and He is here and He wants to be with you in the situation and there's an invitation here this morning to be with Him why don't you stand in your feet or to your feet Oh, just having a little catch up. <laughs> hey, um, so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're, we're just gonna worship a little bit. And um, what, I, what I'd love for us to do is I'd love for every person just to close your eyes and um, just to take a couple of deep breaths this morning, just to breathe and acknowledge that even in your very breath, there He is. He is here and He is close. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed this morning, I wanna create an opportunity for people here. Perhaps there's a difficult situation that you are in the middle of right now, a challenge, an irritant. Maybe it's a a person, a relationship, maybe it's an external challenge or whatever is going on. 
But this morning, I want us to worship together. And what I want you to do is to think about that situation right now. I'm inviting you to be courageous this morning, to not ignore or avoid that thing anymore, but in this moment, in a space of the safety of the presence of God and a community of faith, that you would think about that situation and bring it to the very front of your mind. Bring it to the very front of your conscious, the people that are involved or the circumstances that are involved and bring it to the front, to the front of your spirit, to think about how you are doing in that situation, to think about the kind of thoughts perhaps that are going on in your mind when you think about this situation. And what I want us to do this this morning is to have an opportunity as we think about these things to invite God into that space. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.